Welcome, everyone. God bless you guys um, to the NUMA Global Network. This is our inaugural session in our leaders learning community. We're going to be talking today about the role of the apostolic in um, the local church and as it relates to establishing the church. Of course, it's going to overlap with the fivefold and uh, it's just going to be a great session. And thank you again for letting us know in the chat where you're from, the church um, that you represent, you you serve. Thank you so much for that. Just a, a quick overview of the NUMA Global Network. Um, we have uh, launched officially just about a month ago, and uh, we invite you to certainly become part of that, to become a member in the NUMA Global Network. Our website is ngn, for NUMA Global Network, dot NUMA dot church. When you get there, if you, you'll see there's actually two membership options. The first one is the individual plan. If you select that and you sign up for the individual plan, then we will send you a code for a 50% discount for every subsequent membership. So, for example, if you have a team that you would like to be part of, of the uh, NUMA Global Network, then you can add your team members for um, half price. And so you just head over there. Now, in all transparency, we've been having a bit of issues with the website and the registration process, but I think that's been resolved in the sense of at least registration. We are looking for um, and working on a long-term solution. We want to really develop a great community and way for you to interact and access content and resources. Um, in the meantime, once you sign up and you're part of the NUMA Global Network as a member, a monthly subscriber, what we will do is um, we will immediately contact you by email and give you access to the video from today's session, the first video where Pastor Corey shared about the vision, as well as some other um, content that we have available. And uh, we're going to keep you updated with some exciting plans as we move forward. When you join the NUMA Global Network, become a member, you get access, as I said, to a heap of resources, videos. You also get discounts for, for example, Revival Conference. It's coming up the end of June and July here. In Melbourne, um, there's a 10% discount for that. Our summits, we have a prophetic summit, evangelistic summit, um, fivefold summit, et cetera. There's a 20% discount for registration um, for that, as well as um, you get access to, for example, in the um, revival conference. This is, I'm really excited to announce this, that we are planning a pre- conference session with our NUMA Global Network pastors, members, leaders, um, with, you know, Pastor Corey and some of our amazing um, speakers that are going to be there as well. And that's going to be an exclusive thing for those who are in the network just a little bit uh, prior to the conference. So that's just one of the, the options that are there. And um, we're continuing to build that up, build relationships. That's what it's all about. Um, very important that we definitely lean into that place where, you know, we really uh, make this and continue to have this priority as uh, being about advancing God's kingdom, learning from one another, equipping, 
um, but really building those lifelong relationships. How can we collaborate in God's kingdom together? And this is really what it's about. And we know that together um, we're healthier, we're stronger, we can do more. And so we want to be a family first and foremost. That's our objective to be a spiritual family. And one of our kingdom culture values, of course, is that church is a covenant family. And we honestly um, are really excited about having you guys as part of this amazing pastors and leaders from all over the world. So if you'd like to um, jump on the NUMA Global Network, just head over to ngn.numa.church and you can sign up there. Also wanted to mention, we are having a monthly session where we do these teaching and this this learning. It's really going to be highly interactive and engaging. Um, and our next one, if you want to mark it on your calendar, is on the 19th of January, the 19th of Jan, 10 a.m. Melbourne time. We're going to continue really part two of what we're starting today. So it's going to be an awesome time. And uh, I know you're going to enjoy the session today as well. All right. So we are going to jump right in. And uh, actually, Pastor Raph Solomon, who is leads over all things apostolic at uh, NUMA Global, he oversees church planting, networking, um, all of the amazing things that are happening uh, in NUMA world. Uh, he is just an amazing, humble man of God who has just a depth of revelation and insight and in relating to um, so many things in the scripture, but um, particularly his insight on the apostolic is really uh, significant. So we welcome Pastor Raph, and uh, thank you so much for being with us, Pastor Raph. We want to jump right in about this topic on the apostolic and hear from you. Thank you so much, Pastor Glenn, and um, absolute honor to be here. And uh, honestly, that's probably a really magnified introduction. I'm a much more simple man than that. And uh, just really honor the um, anointing and the grace in the room. I'm actually really feeling the depth of wisdom, experience, and uh, great anointing in the room and just really want to honor and respect that. So really looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, amazing. Um, it's so good to have everyone. And, and you're right, there's so much uh, wisdom in, in that collective wisdom and knowledge and experience, even on this forum. It's just uh, incredible. Um, Pastor Raph, as we delve into this topic of the apostolic in the local church, we're certainly not restricting the uh, involvement and, and the critical input of all fivefold, but we want to focus um, really purposefully on the apostolic. And I know in NUMA, one of our, um, it's it's really uh, something that we're, I would say it's more than a preference. It's It's important to us is saying church is planted. It's really our mission. Um, our vision to see 200 churches, you know, planted around the world that carry the spirit of revival and disciple cities and nations. But in the context of church planting, we are actually primarily um, and ideally looking for those who carry an apostolic grace. Um, 
in leading in that space. It's not to say that that the other graces aren't important, but could we just have you maybe speak into that a little bit? Why is it that um, the apostolic is so important when it comes to um, church planting um, in the context of the local church, specifically church planting? Let's just talk about that for a second. Sure. sure. Thanks, Pastor Glenn. And um, uh, obviously, our entire mission, not just kind of like Numa Church, but the Church of Jesus, um, is advancing the kingdom of God across the nations. Uh, church planting is an effective strategy of doing that. It's not the only strategy, but it really is an effective strategy uh, of advancing God's kingdom across the nations. And um, it, it is important uh, we look for at NUMA that the leaders of churches are apostolically graced for a number of reasons. Um, we're finding that the apostolic grace uh, carries a number of markers, a number of attributes that are really necessary to leading the charge. So one of those attributes or markers, for example, is that people that are apostolically graced are pioneers just by nature, the nature of the grace. They tend to be pioneers. Um, they enjoy actually dealing with frontiers of darkness and invading frontiers of darkness, planting communities of faith and seeds of faith where those seeds don't currently exist. Um, it's a little bit like what the Apostle Paul says in his own kind of like personal mission, just because of the grace on his life as an apostle. Um, in Romans 15, 20, he talks about that he makes it his aim to preach the gospel where Christ was not named. He wanted to go to certain places, certain locations, certain cities uh, to bring the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's why you'll find that anyone who is apostolically graced has a real appetite for adventure, for risk. Uh, they're not necessarily maintainers. They go in, they break ground. Um, so part of that is planting churches. Part of that, depending on the extent and the maturity of the grace, is actually starting movements. Uh, again, we find in Paul, uh, Romans fifteen nineteen, he talks about how his ministry was in mighty signs and wonders and the power of the Spirit of God, but that he went from Jerusalem to Illyricum uh, fully preaching the gospel. Like there's an expansive sphere where he just wants to see every nation come to the obedience and the knowledge of Jesus. So apostles by grace, by DNA, infiltrate communities and they plant the gospel in those communities that the real thing that really kind of uh, inspires an apostle is to multiply the presence of the gospel right across the world. So that's one of the kind of like key attributes that apostolic anointing is a pioneering anointing. It does lead the charge. It's not the only one that's needed of the fivefold graces, but it does lead the charge when it comes to the advancement of the kingdom of God across the earth. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that's really, um, again, we've found to be so true in church planting, um, and, and funnily enough, it's all in scripture, um, is, is apostles are foundation layers. They're really graced to be foundation layers. Um, again, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.10, uh, he talks about how the grace of God that is upon him 
was given to him as a wise master builder. He says, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. That's why he speaks of, I planted, Apollo's watered, God gave the increase. Um, the foundation uh, is is very much the work of an apostle. So apostles have this thing about being guardians of the gospel, entrustment with the gospel, uh, protectors of kingdom culture, protectors um, of the purity of the doctrine of heaven, and really about establishing foundational doctrines. That's why we've read yeah, in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 about foundational doctrines, and really that's you'll find again very much in the anointing of the apostle uh, to instill, to embed in the foundations of churches both the foundational doctrines, kingdom DNA, uh, guarding the unity of the church, even though cultivating diversity, but very much guarding the unity of the church. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, again, happens to be very much the song uh, of an apostle and the theme of an apostle. So laying the foundations is very, very important. Uh, uh, the other thing that's a, an attribute is that um, in that same scripture that we just alluded to before, Paul refers to himself, which is in 1 Corinthians 3.10, refers to himself as a wise master builder. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that's an interesting uh, concept in the Greek because the actual word is architecton. Obviously, we get the word architect from that. Um, so we find also that the spiritual grace upon an apostle is one of spiritual architecture. Um, and th- that's that's really needed when putting things together because it's about somebody who understands the overall plan in the heart of God and bringing the resource, bringing the right people, intersecting the right gifts in order to build the structure that's actually on God's heart in order to build the specifically tailored structure for that city, that nation, or whatever sphere of metron influence the Lord has uh, for that particular apostle and the ministry. So they do tend to understand kind of like the intended end from the beginning and to bring those things together. So spiritual architecture, again, is really quite inherent in the apostolic DNA or apostolic gifting. Um, another uh, thing that's actually really important, and I dare say with this one uh, right across the Church of Jesus, especially in the Western world, it, it, it is becoming more and more important. Um, uh, so that's the issue of being a spiritual father or a spiritual mother, not a CEO. So while apostles are very much kind of like uh, well-developed in their gifting on task engineering, but it's actually all done for people. Um, and the church, perhaps kind of in its endeavour and sincerity to do its best in the leadership space, has led too much into the leadership philosophy and leadership um, methods. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but there is something higher than that. Uh, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15, Paul talks about even though you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ Jesus or teachers, um, but in Christ Jesus you've only got one father. I have begotten you through the gospel. He saw himself 
as a father to a family, and he loved that family deeply. He didn't just see himself as a boss of an organization just calling shots, not just as a CEO, one who organizes things in order for outcomes to be achieved. All of all of that's true, but all of it actually sits under the umbrella of fatherhood, spiritual fatherhood, spiritual motherhood, love of God's family that is so deep. And again, we see it again and again in Paul's writings. Um, First Thessalonians 2.11 is one of those things that comes to mind when we speak about that. Uh, he talks about how he exhorted, comforted, charged everyone as a father does to children. That's And, and by the way, that's actually not age-based. Um, th- that's why he could say things like, let no one despise your youth. That is a spirit. That is an anointing. Um, that is on a person, spiritual parenting and spiritual care. Uh, one, of, one of the other attributes that we find in apostles, and that's why we choose them, I guess, select them, partner with heaven uh, when it comes to church planting, is that they really do engage in higher spiritual warfare. I'm just going to take a moment to explain that. We all do, and, you know, every Christian does. Uh, but what we do tend to find is that apostles do not ignore the devil at any stage. Now, we're not we're, we're not looking under chairs for demons and things like that. It's not weird and wacky. But because of the grace and the mandate to expel the kingdom of darkness and bring the kingdom of God on earth, exactly as um, it's said of Jesus himself in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, that for this reason, one of the main reasons that Jesus appeared on earth, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. The truth is the apostolic grace does not ignore the devil. Again, we see that in the life of Paul, whether at the micro, one-to-one level, macro, a person-to-city level, we see him, uh, Book of Acts, Chapter 16, uh, the woman with the spirit of divination, he becomes quite intolerant of that, of, of the fact that the devil's having room, that demons are having room in a person's life, having influence. He arrests that and brings that uh, the, the subjection to the superior kingdom of God, even in a person's life or in a particular situation. We see him doing that with cities. He goes to Greece and Athens in the book of Acts 17, and again, in an entire city, he's provoked because the spirit of idolatry uh, is at hand. And again, it provokes his spirit. Now, many Christians may have walked to and fro that part, but an apostle gets very provoked, does something about it, has to bring that into subjection to right kingdom order. So you'll find that the apostolic grace does warfare at level of principalities, powers, cities, uh, you know, demons. Um, that, that's why deliverance is really quite big uh, for an apostle. It just, again, it's just one of those graces and one of those attributes. So why do we have them in church planters? Because actually our, our entire thing is we're not fighting against, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. And, and we know what it is to church plant. You're going to come up against so much but so much of it is actually spiritual forces. So it does need an apostolic 
grace and apostolic anointing to confront the kingdom of darkness uh, and deal with those issues. Uh, the other thing that we love about our church planters and our church leaders being apostolically graced um, is that they're not just concerned kind of with their patch, their church, they're concerned with the kingdom. There's a, a grace on apostles uh, to really think kind of like global kingdom connectedness. Numa Global Network, I dare say, Pastor Glenn, under yourself is precisely that. It's literally a partnership right across the earth to see Habakkuk 2.14 burst in the name of Jesus, that we would all together be empowered, partner together for a worldwide revival to usher the second coming of Jesus Christ and to break out the glory of God all over the earth. Um, that, that That's what it looks like with apostles. It doesn't look like, okay, I'm just concerned about my church and church growth and my part of the wood, but we partner, the apostolically graced partner for the worldwide net of Jesus Christ uh, because it's kingdom. It's not It's not a church growth model. It's kingdom. And, and, and that's really actually very important. Um, you, you'll find that, Paul all over the place, you know, sends Timothy and sends, um, you know, Titus and all of others because there's a worldwide thing happening that is really concerning uh, the apostolic grace. I probably should add one more. Um, I think so far, and I'm seeing, you know, people acknowledge and things like that, but I feel like this one, none of us are going to like it. I don't like it, but I think um, we have to share it. Um one of the attributes of the apostolic grace, one of the things that's actually on the calling of the apostolic grace uh, is a calling to suffer for Christ. Uh, it, it just is. It just is. Um, I just want to read a scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 9 to 13. Um, Apostle Paul says, I think that God has displayed us the apostles last, men condemned to death. We have been made a spectacle to the world both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. You are wise, we are weak. You are strong, you are distinguished, we are dishonoured. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst. We are poorly clothed, beaten, homeless. We labour, working with our hands, being reviled, we bless, persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made the filth of the world, the offscoring of all things until now. And I really mean to kind of like put that out there because um, uh, <laughs> the, the apostolic grace is not all glamorous. Um, it really isn't. And um, we, we don't have to go looking for any of those things, by the way. It's not, you know, we don't, but, but it's just part and parcel. If you're going to pound um, the kingdom of hell, that's not going to come tax-free. Uh, the cost of following Jesus is not getting any cheaper, and uh, that's just part and parcel of the apostolic life, to endure for the sake of Jesus, to endure for the sake of his kingdom, to endure for the sake of people, to endure for the sake of the church. Um, but that's part and parcel. And church planting, uh, honestly, uh, will require all of that. It does require... Uh, I, I remember... And Pastor Don's with us in San Francisco. We were speaking to somebody uh, in San Francisco, one of the leaders there, and he said to us quite plainly, 
Uh, if you're coming to San Francisco, commit yourself to at least 10 years. You will not go covenant yourself. There's going to be all kinds of trouble. There's going to be all kinds of tribulation, but you're going to have to see it through if you want to see the glory of God break out. That's how an apostle thinks, and that's really kind of like what's needed. If there was one more thing, I'll just mention it, but I won't talk about it too much. Um, maybe we can pick it up in a future space. Uh, is in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, and that's the supernatural manifestations that accompany apostolic ministry to attest to the kingdom of God. Uh, and Paul talks about the signs of an apostle there and what's needed in order to break a city open, to break ground open, and how the power of God accompanies apostolic grace in order to do that. Um, so that that's probably kind of a little bit of an overview as to why we look for those who are apostolically raised past the blend. Yeah, thank you. And you know what? The the reality is church planting is warfare, as you said, Pastor Raph, and going out there in the front lines, breaking ground, uh, taking territory, and ultimately establishing God's kingdom in the midst of Satan's domain. And uh, yeah, we need to be in a place. And as you mentioned, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 12, talks about signs, wonders, and miracles, but it also says, with all perseverance. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, there is a commitment to persevere. You know, um, there was a, a a study that was done by um, a man is really a psychologist, Dr. Charles Ridley on the effective, um, really the prerequisites of being an effective church planter. And, and I think it's interesting, even though he didn't use the word apostle, one of the things he said is there has to be tenacity and resilience and uh, we need to be able to bounce back persevere and so on so um very good by the way guys we will send you the notes we'll edit them and send you the notes from this session as well as the video okay let's jump on to our second question and that question has to do with um what are some biblical principles and examples in the scripture of um, apostolic leadership within the context of the local church, Pastor Raph. Sure. Yeah, look, uh, to be honest, again, Pastor Len, um, I find that all over scripture. Um, the problem sometimes is that um, the book of Acts has become a little bit of a memorial rather than a model of what we actually implement in church, but it's all over how the church was um, so if, for example, we have a look at um, Book of Acts 14, verses 22 to yeah, 23, um, again, it speaks of Paul and Barnabas that when they had preached the gospel to that city, they made many disciples. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch. They strengthened the soul of the disciples. They exhorted them to continue in the faith, saying to them that we must through many tribulations uh, into the kingdom of God. And then it tells us quite clearly that they appointed elders in every church, prayed with fasting, and commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Um, so it talks very clearly about the appointing of elders to lead churches in different cities, but all of those related to the apostles. 
So the local church related to the apostles. Uh, again, we see uh, Paul instructing Titus. This is actually quite a key verse in Titus chapter 1 and verse 5, uh, where he says to Titus, for this reason I lift you in Crete, uh, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. And again, we really come across something that how the church operated. The church had local churches and global apostles that they would relate to. Leaders of churches that always related, they lined up with uh, global apostles uh, of their time. Uh, we find that when it comes to global apostles, that uh, Paul in the book of Romans chapter 1 and verse 5 talks about how he received grace and apostleship for obedience of the faith to the nations. So he had a bit of a global role and oversight of local churches, local leaders working with. Uh, we see this again and again, honestly, in Scripture. We see uh, him talking to Timothy, just telling him plainly uh, that he's written these things and he's telling him how to set in order and how to conduct himself uh, in the house of God. Oversight, again, of an apostle to a local church and what is happening locally. Uh, so local churches relating to apostolic gifts, apostolic centres, apostolic hubs, apostolic communities is right throughout scripture. I mean, we, we, you know, read something like in the book of Acts, chapter 15, the, the churches all over regions are debating this whole issue of circumcision. They go back to the apostolic hub that is in Jerusalem at the time because there is an oversight. There is a governmental role, a leadership, even, even at the local level, but it relates to global apostles, um, and the church has always operated that way. We've, we've lost it for a little bit, but um, one of the things that the Holy Spirit is restoring prior to the second coming of Jesus is the whole thing of apostolic hubs, apostolic centres, the apostolic grace uh, that is being restored because that actually being so governmental is going to begin to set in order certain things, bring back certain things that I guess have been lost or diluted, but it needs to come back into high definition before the return of Jesus. So I, I guess it's all over scripture, Pastor Glenn. Yeah, so good. Wow, you just touched on something so profound. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, you know, the role of apostolic fathers, apostolic centers, hubs, uh, whatever verbiage you use, it's all about the the function. And as you said, in scripture, we have um, the locations, the local churches, but then we have global apostles. Um, just an example of how that is being um, fleshed out in NUMA and then um, taking it beyond the context of NUMA wider into the body of Christ as a whole. What do you envision that would look like? So if you have, for example, there may be pastors of um a church here on this on this Zoom meeting, you've got a great church. You may even have other locations, uh, other campuses, whatever uh, terminology you use to describe that. But how how could that 
apply to to that type of context? Mm. Well, I, I mean, obviously, we're on a journey here, Pastor Glenn, and uh, yeah. Uh, so where we are in the journey, I don't believe that we have yet the full revelation of how the journey is going to unfold. So I'm sharing at a point in time, but I know that the Lord's broadening and will continue to broaden our revelation as the full intent of his heart is rolled out, not just in Numa, but right across the bride of Christ. Um, so there may be even others on the Zoom that are on that very same journey that, you know, can contribute to this. But bringing it back to the Numa world, um, uh, as, as you've already pointed out, Pastor Glenn, our church leaders, we call them locations, uh, whether in Australia, Asia, America, Europe, etc., um, are apostolically graced, all of them. Uh, they lead fivefold teams in their respective uh, churches. Uh, our church leaders uh, will relate to a hub leader in that particular continent. So let's say Asia. We actually have Pastor Alvin with us. Pastor Alvin in in the NUMA intent and the NUMA plan of God, we are working together, but Pastor Alvin is working toward the hub leadership of the continent of Asia, meaning that all of the churches in Asia um, are we're, we're building a hub in Asia. Pastor Alvin has already heads a location in Bangkok, is about to go across to Singapore to plant another church very shortly. Um, and but, but there is going to be a hub that oversees the churches in Asia that is apostolically led, that is fivefold led, that relates to all of the churches there. Just like I guess where we've seen that, we have seen that um, the blueprint for us is in Scripture. We're finding that there were apostolic centres in Antioch, there were apostolic centres in Jerusalem, their apostolic centers in Ephesus and so forth, and therefore churches related to some kind of hub or center. We're just believing that that's the God model and we're looking for that. Now, all of us, all of us relate to a chief apostle whom we believe, Pastor Corey has the calling and the anointing to lead Numa globally. Um, so there's a bit of a global centre here in Australia. The global works with the hubs in different continents. The hubs work with the local churches in each of those continents. Uh, we also have, so the fivefold, but we also have an apostolic community. So, for example, Pastor Glenn, myself, there's Pastor Rob, who uh, mission when it comes to the disciple, the nations, everything that is kingdom, everything that is outward focused, um, those who are apostolically graced, we are together in an apostolic community, uh, but there's also the cascading down from a global hub to continent, hubs to then local churches. So that's kind of the way that it works, but we're not so insular to think that it's all about NUMA. That's just one part uh, of how this works. The other part of that is obviously the glorious partnership with the rest of the body of Christ right across the world to everything that the Holy Spirit's breathing on, uh, again, again, with the entire intent of Habakkuk 2.14. So that's, I guess, how it works, yeah. 
Yeah, great. Yeah, and definitely on a journey. And there's obviously different ways of um, facilitating and, and different expressions of what this looks like. But um, it, it's so important. Okay, uh, definitely there may be some questions into this topic at the end. So please um, be free to ask those questions when we finish up. Let's jump into the next question, which really has to do with the role of apostolic leadership and oversight. Uh, in establishing a strong foundation in the local church and ensuring long-term sustainability. Um, Yeah. I mean, what love to hear your input with that, Pastor Raph. Sure. I'd I'd probably really like to list four things. I'm going to list them then just briefly unpack Um, when it comes to apostolic leadership and the foundation laying of local church ensuring long-term sustainability. Um, So one of those things is to plant and establish kingdom culture. Number two would probably be to position trustworthy leadership. Number three would be to ensure relational health. And number four would be to develop systems and infrastructure. And I'll probably just take a a few moments to unpack each of these briefly. So when it comes to um, planting kingdom culture, as we kind of like said earlier, that that's really one of the main graces and attributes on those who are apostolically officed or graced. Um, So foundational doctrines and foundational values are critical in embedding when it comes to the foundational stage of laying any church. So the foundational doctrines, again, you'll find it in the book of Hebrews chapter 6. They're kind of like listed, but apostles make sure that the church of Jesus, the local church, is built on the integrity of the word of God. Every foundational doctrine is embedded right at the core of that. Redemption, preeminence of Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, living holy, uh, a consecrated life to Jesus, the second coming of Christ, just all of those foundational things have to go into the foundation of a church. A church uh, must feed off that, must be completely aligned to that. As the foundation goes, so the rest of the structure goes. Um, There's foundational values. Uh, Foundational values are like a life of prayer, a life in the word, a life that is generous, a life that is sacrificial, a life of discipleship, um, the central role of the presence of God, both personally and corporately, their foundational values in all of the churches. And again, that's really important for an apostle at the foundational stage. So the teaching, the preaching, the modelling, the coaching, the training, so that it becomes the way of the church, the culture of the church, and it is so embedded in the life of the church. And again, that's what Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. But in that planting and in that watering, there's a real alignment to what God is doing in the foundation. And it is those foundational doctrines, foundational values. So it's really important at that stage uh, for planting of what we call kingdom culture in every church. Um, the, the second thing is the positioning of trustworthy leadership. 
Now, Paul, again, had so much to say around that. Um, the good portion of his epistles to Timothy, to Titus, etc., etc., is really about that, identifying leadership, the attributes of leaders, the attributes uh, of those who are going to be overseers of a church, uh, and what kind of character they need to carry, what kind of uh, function they need to carry. Um, but that's just what apostles do. Uh, we find that even in the first predicament of the early church where the apostles were asked to kind of like engage with uh, the serving of tables, that they straight away in the book of Acts, chapter 6 and verse 4, you know, committed, seek out from among yourselves men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, that we may appoint them over this business. They're forever looking, okay, as the kingdom of God expands, as more things need to happen, we need to identify and position, appoint uh, trustworthy leadership to serve in the leadership of a church. Attributes of deacons, attributes of bishops, etc., etc., are all outlined in Scripture but that is one of the apostolic mandates when it comes to the foundation. Uh, the third thing is ensuring relational health. Relationships actually really matter to apostles. Um, again, because of the whole thing about being fathers, mothers, not just CEOs of organizations. That's why Paul takes time in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and just making sure that the church of Corinth there is no such thing, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas. It's a united church. Relationships really, really matter. We're finding that practically, if, for example, our executive team is for any reason disconnected relationally from Pastor Corey or the executive team is becoming disconnected from people and the layers of leadership and all of that, uh, as the church as apostles move the church forward, advance the kingdom of God, it's like a chain. Unless those chains, they're not held together by process. They are held together by kingdom relationships. They are held together by covenant relationships and revelation. Um, and that's actually really important. I remember once talking to Pastor Mark Varagis, um, who said to me, he said to me, Raph, the less trust a church has, the more policies it will need to create. And and, and it was such a word of truth. Um, but that's how apostles operate and that's how apostolic centres operate. So right at the foundation, the relational knitting, the authenticity of God's family and its knitting, the covenant, that's why, as you alluded to earlier, Pastor Glenn, one of our kingdom culture values is around the, the covenant family. Church is a covenant Family. It's not just rhetoric. We must be fully committed to one another in Christ, um, not being a means to an end. We're not production units. We're sons and daughters of God on this journey together. Um, that, that's really critical right in the culture uh, of a church. The, the church grows like that, becomes exactly that in order for its sustainability. It's built on living stones. Um, Probably the last thing that I want to mention in that space is that apostles develop systems and infrastructure. Now, I'm not talking about all of the operational things. Now, some can because they're gifted that way, uh, but some are not. But apostles really understand how important those things are, especially in our day and age, and they engage, they bring in really closely wisdom 
those who are going to develop the spiritual and otherwise kind of like systems and infrastructure in order to outwork the heavenly vision. Um, I remember reading on Henry Ford um, of how his product uh, was actually exceptional, but he wasn't selling very many cars until about 1908. And the reason was that the entire infrastructure uh, around that time was not actually conducive uh, for cars. The roads were built for horses and there were no petrol stations. There were no gas stations if you're from America. Uh, there were no, um, you know, mechanics and, and so forth. So there was no infrastructure. But he actually needed somebody else, and there was somebody else started to do all of that, to build the infrastructure. Then the actual product completely took off in 1908 as a result of that. It's actually really important. Whatever apostolic vision um, you are operating in, it's really important that either yourself or somebody around you, the systems and the processes and the infrastructure uh, is really kind of like outworked uh, in that space to ensure that it is effective and sustainable as we move forward. Yeah, so that would be the four things, Pastor Glenn, for me. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot there. And again, we will send you the notes and uh, you'll you'll be able to refer to all of this and have it, your uh, availability and also the video as well. Okay, let's talk, uh, Pastor Raph, a little bit more about the involvement of the apostolic or apostles. Um, we've talked about in planting churches or in establishing churches, and we can go a little bit deeper on that, but also in terms of ongoing oversight. Because in many places around the world, um, the context typically is you have a church planter, they go in, they may be not necessarily apostolic, or or let's just say they are, and they plant a church, and then, you know, let's say they move on, and they, someone else is raised up to take over, and then there's typically, typically, that ongoing relational connection, as you mentioned, the oversight um, of an apostle, it just doesn't happen. Um, so why is it important for apostolic leadership to be involved in not only the establishment, but the oversight of the local church. Sure. I'll, I'll share some brief thoughts on this one, Pastor Glenn, but honestly, I feel like you really should because um, your global exposure over decades to and seeing that firsthand in so many different environments and in so many different continents, I think would be highly invaluable um, to answering this question. But uh, I'll, I'll begin kind of like, um, in, in, I guess, sharing a couple of thoughts around that. Uh, the apostolic race is highly governmental. It really is. Um, it really does carry an authority inherent in it. Um, and part of that is the actual catalyzing of mission. A church can become really quite insular. Churches can become insular if they're void of the apostolic grace to advance the kingdom of God and provide the broader kingdom perspective and, and outward motion of the church uh, when it comes to uh, the advancement of the kingdom of God. Um, and one of the things that happens really through impartation um, is that I've, I've 
seeing the apostolic anointing really kind of like seed contagious vision. When you get around those who are apostolically graced, all of a sudden you, you're actually lifted. The eyes lift to the broader uh, vision of God around things and people become mobilized. Even leaders become mobilized. They're catalyzed um, into, into that very mission of God. So there's a pioneering of faith that is actually imparted to the whole team. So sometimes teams, including leaders, uh, can become really, really discouraged, but bring an apostle into that setting and you'll find uh, that there's a second wind that happens from heaven, which, which is a really interesting spiritual dynamic. I actually think that that's part of why the apostles lead. It's not just because of vision, it's because of faith. That there's certain, there's certain spiritual gifts that accompany the office that the Lord has given, and faith is one of them, and it just gets imparted. The entire team, the entire church gets a second wind in the Holy Spirit to go again, to see clearer again. And that's actually a governmental thing with the anointing uh, that the Lord imparts to that particular office. Um, I also think and see in scripture that um, apostles are actually really highly gifted um, by the grace of God to build effective teams. Um, so it's not just about, you know, building teams that, you know, so we can respond to what needs to happen in church and things like that. But I'm talking about a companies of people, a company of sent others that gather, rally around a heavenly vision that are then kind of like being sent out and, and so forth. Um, when we come to practical, even decision-making, um, we do tend to find that, again, just one of the graces that the Lord gives to the office of apostleship is, is a wisdom. You know, Peter talks about the wisdom given to Paul in one of his epistles, second epistle, chapter three. Um, that there is just a grace of a divine knowledge on how to apply it to particular situations. And again, it's just one of those governmental things um, for right order. So to set things in order is very much the domain of apostleship. It's said over and over again, um, seen over and over again, demonstrated over and over again in scripture. And again, I'd refer to Titus 1.5 for that as a clear example, to set in order the things that are lacking. It's a grace. It's a heavenly grace given to apostles uh, to see the architectural and to really bring divine wisdom into what is happening, the divine x-ray, as well as what needs to happen in order to take the kingdom of God forward in that particular situation or city. But I'd, but I'd actually really love um, your input and impartation in this space, Pastor Glenn. Well, um, no, 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 there, there's uh, so much there that, that you shared. Um, I guess I'll have my opportunity to share God willing at another time, but it's true. I think that um, when we come to that place where the apostolic is leaning in and is affirmed, valued and called upon to give input, I'll just, I'll just comment on one thing. There's a church in Toronto, Canada that, um, I was asked to basically be the apostolic overseer. And there is a fivefold ministry team in that church, fivefold leadership. There is an apostle who is leading. Um, but the outside perspective and also 
I guess, having um, been around just maybe a little bit longer and having more of a diverse uh, level of experience. And um, I'm able to help speak into situations. Recently, there was a challenge uh, that they were going through in the church, and I was able to offer some guidance and uh, bring some resolution by God's grace. So I, I think it's important that we have that um, the input and the the apostolic um, wisdom, grace, uh, constantly influencing and and helping, as you said, to set in order those things. Um, let one thing I'd like to do at this point is, and then we'll open up for Q and A. Is let's just talk a little bit, Pastor Raff, about you know we're on this journey. We have um, amazing fivefold leaders that are leading churches. We may have someone who's highly prophetic leading a church, um, highly pastoral, for example. And yet, when we talk about the role of the apostle and the apostolic, and we see in Scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it says that God has set in the church, firstly, apostles, and then secondarily, prophets, etc., and that word, firstly, proton in Greek, speaks in terms of rank and importance. And it's not about superiority, that the apostle is, you know, superior to um, the prophet or whatever. But it's about priority, foundation, and laying, doing things. And you've touched on so many reasons why we need the apostolic grace um, leading the way, helping, you know, establish and uh, even scale out and ministry, but let's just make it really practical for a moment. Let's say we're really looking at how do we bring the church into alignment where we have apostolic leadership oversight, but we're going to implement the fivefold as well. And, but, you know, there's going to be some challenges, obviously, um, in that process. Let, let's just talk about the potential challenges when you really try to bring a church into that place of, you know, being apostolically led and, and fivefold. What, what are some of those um, challenges that you think um, may be faced and, and how do we navigate some of those? If you could just highlight maybe two or three. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I, I guess the, the thinking, even though it's completely scriptural, the fivefold thinking is not man-made. Here it is in, you know, Ephesians chapter 4. It's spelled out. It's really quite clear. It's demonstrated. But because we have, as a church, through the church age, gone a little bit away from that and we're starting to come back to that, um, it's a whole new wineskin. And because it's a whole new wineskin, initially it actually feels, and I'm just speaking out of our journey, so it may feel differently for you, but in the beginning, as the church is kind of like navigating this and leadership teams are navigating this, um, it feels almost like it's a heresy. Uh, it feels so new and so uncertain. Right at the beginning of a journey, nobody's really sure who's making this up. Is this um, just the next fad of leadership development? Is this because we've become so frustrated so th there's a whole heap of uncertainty kind of like initially about it because as we are going back to the original blueprint of Scripture, uh, it's sad to say, but it is actually true <laughs> that, you know, 
it's actually so much easier to follow a path than to create a trail. But churches now that are stepping back into the fivefold are creating something new for others to kind of like behold, even though it's not new at all. So it does feel a little bit uncertain. Um, and that that's challenging. That's challenging uh, because that's going to require, first of all, from the leadership deliberating around the transition. Uh, it's going to require the breaking of fear, the breaking of tradition. And I'm talking about leadership teams now before we even talk about the church because it needs to cascade to the church. Um, it's going to require a humble letting go of our experiences because we've all operated in a particular field of experience that may not be fivefold. We're going to humbly say, gosh, all of those years, um, and it's not that I was wrong. I was working with my current revelation, but God's bringing me to a fuller revelation of how this is meant to work. So I'm going to have to humbly let go of my experience as a church leader. I'm going to have to embrace courage um, and take some risks with the biblical blueprint. Um, and so the rest then begins to be, I guess, the usual change management journey and the change management process and the cascading communications and the rollouts and so forth. Um, but, yeah, they, they would be some things that I guess we encountered, Pastor Glenn. Right. Thank you. Uh, and just in terms of some actual strategy that, that can help you, if that's um, what you feel led or you just like to learn more, there's a great book that was written by a friend of mine. He's um, a French-Canadian. His name is Alain Caron. It's called Apostolic Centers, and he actually shares how they trans, uh, transitioned their church into an apostolic center, which has fivefold teams, etc. So you can pick that up on Amazon and uh, was mentioned. Uh, looks like Michael has had to go, but uh, Dr. Michael Brodeur was, has been on the chat uh, on the Zoom meeting, and he wrote a book recently called Quintessential Church Revolution. And quintessential is a play on words, meaning for the fivefold. And that book is also really full of lots of practical um, wisdom strategy to be able to transition. Um, great book. And you can get it from his website for only $5. That's five US dollars. So go to pastorscoach.com forward slash book. Um, just want to help provide some resources. So pastorscoach.com forward slash book. Uh, if you choose to get it on Amazon, I think you're going to pay $30. So well worth it just going directly to the website. So great. That's Michael Broder, B-R-O-D-U-E-U-R, sorry, um, pastorscoach.church forward slash book. Michael leads the network for Catch the Fire. And he's also on the leadership team of Jesus Culture with um, Banning Leapshire, who's a senior pastor there as well. Great book, guys. Great resources. Okay, so let's uh, take a moment and open up for Q&A. Um, questions related to what was shared today for um, Pastor Raph. Um, you can you can do it one or two ways. You can type it in the chat if you're more comfortable doing it that way, or you can actually just unmute yourself and uh, 
uh, ask the question. Who would like to go first? I'll go first here. Sure. Uh, John, hi. So I really appreciate the spirit of the presentation. It's, uh, apostles are foundational and I've been around a lot of hierarchical stuff, a lot of uh, denominationalism, and I love uh, I love a, a servant's heart because I think that's what apostolics all about is uh, serving our sons and daughters and helping them to be a lot more successful than us. So, so my question is this: I'm very pragmatic in what I do. Glenn's known me for years. We've done a lot of stuff together, um, and I'm working on probably four or five projects just like this. But the big thing is, is you work with a lot of different personalities. And, of course, pastoral personalities are more S personalities. So it's basically, you show me what to do. I'll do it all day long. But they're not about execution. You know, they're not strategic. I'm not trying to put them all in the same box, but majority of S personalities. And so, and I've talked to Glenn about this before. Uh, is there a... Uh, and maybe in this book you just mentioned, Glenn, or the quintessential book. But what I'm looking for is more of a timeline or a chronological order of even some of the things like you you put down on planting kingdom culture, positioning trustworthy leadership, relational help, developing systems. So I'm doing all of these things. But what's happening is when you get around these S personalities, and they don't understand the terminology. They're not familiar with what we've been familiar with for probably a couple of decades. And it's overwhelming to them. But if we can show them, like you, you're talking about a process or a chronological order and just telling them, you don't have to eat this all at one time. There's a process in this and we can help you with the process to be able to digest that. Even, even with churches transitioning from the traditional model into the apostolic model. So that's what... That's what I'm looking for to help me is what are some of the processes already in place? What's some of the chronological order and and how do we prioritize them to make sure we're not getting the cart before the horse? Okay. Pastor Ralph, you want to reply? Yeah, thanks, um, Pastor John. That's that's really, really great and appreciate your experience and insight and sharing that as well. Um, I, I Again, just would commit to you that um, I I think the first three or four things, even prior to process, unless there is first a revelation that translates into a conviction, there's going to be no commitment to a process. And again, our journey, I, I guess, has been that. It really had to begin with a revelation. So those who were going to be involved needed their own personal revelation of what actually is the blueprint of Scripture when it comes to fivefold. What is the role of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, the teacher? Why are they needed? Um, and there had to be a process of receiving revelation. You know how we receive the kingdom before we release the kingdom. Freely you have received, freely you shall give. But the process of revelation has to take place um, first. Now, you know, there's books, there's networks, there's resources, there's relating to apostolic people like yourself and centres and so forth that could really help somebody go on a journey. 
But that journey then needs to translate from revelation to conviction. The person must own it, not just know it. There's something then that happens inside the heart by the power of the Holy Spirit where the person can see this is actually the pattern of God, the will of God, and something shifts on the inside in alignment. Can two walk together unless they are in agreement? Unless I come into agreement with the revelation of God, it's not actually going to be dispensed through my life. Um, the process then of communicating to teams and to, and, and to others, uh, and then the power of next step which is sometimes, and again, that's most things in the Christian walk, not just this. We don't have the fullness of revelation of everything, but we follow the breadcrumbs of the Holy Spirit. We, we know that all miracles have a point of obedience. Uh, according to the current re- revelation, am I willing to take the risk of stepping into the next step of the God pattern in order to see how it worked? And that's actually where those things mentioned before can come in but they don't precede revelation and conviction. So they would be my thoughts around that. Yeah, great. Um, Thank you, John. So, yeah, very important, the revelation that leads to conviction and then implementation comes from that. And again, just uh, for your information, the book Apostolic Centers by Aline Caron, there's actually a workbook, a guide for implementing um, yeah, obviously that's helpful as well. But it's so true. If if someone does not see the need for it, really value it, it's it's uh, it's not going to happen most likely. All right, someone else. Um, we would love to have your question related to this topic, the apostolic and the local church context. Uh, I've got a question. Right. Sure, go ahead. Uh, so we we talked just then about uh, apostolic leadership and getting the church back to the, the fivefold, but what would you say for a church that's just been planted and has the opportunity to start off uh, with the fivefold ministry? Uh, what would you say is uh, starting off with just that apostolic leadership what would you say is uh, the fundamental things that need to be implemented or even what you think that church, an apostolic-led church, should look like a year or two uh, down the track in your experience? Well, it's great and a great question, and thank you for asking that. Um, I, I think you have a great opportunity if you're at the formative stage to really get the blueprint, uh, you know, clarified and the definition clarified in your own heart and begin to roll that out, begin to really teach, equip uh, the core team that may be around you at the moment in order to work toward uh, fivefold leadership, a team that is apostolically led. Uh, So just to give an example of that, that's actually the world that we live in when it comes to the NUMA world. As we plant churches, those churches uh, you know, usually start off with an apostolically graced person or couple that begin to form a core group around it. They're aware of the blueprint. They don't have a five-fold team around them, but they are aware of the blueprint. They're communicating that to their core team. They're working toward that. You can't 
makeup offices. Uh, only the Holy Spirit can do that as the church begins to grow, as the Holy Spirit begins to show um, who can come alongside you in, in the prophetic office and evangelistic office, etc., etc. Those things are really in the sovereignty of God, but they are in the communication of the church. They are in the language of the church. They are in the vision of the church. They are in the training of the church. Um, so even before it happens, we're constantly talking about it, that that's what we're working toward. All of those things are being laid in the foundation of understanding and alignment uh, of the church. One of the things that we also work on um, is we have something called the ick. It's not real. <laughs> I just want to put it out there, but it just helps us define what we're working toward, um, meaning it may not be that you have somebody who occupies the actual fivefold office of a prophet when you're a church of 50. But what may happen is you may not have a prophet, but you have somebody who's prophetic, the ick. So we kind of like look for the ick while we're growing people, while we're developing you know, uh, the gifts and the callings on people's lives and partnering, identifying, deploying, uh, releasing that. So we work with the ick uh, for so however long until the Holy Spirit, you know, has, has the full-blown kind of like offices in each of the churches uh, in full operation. But it is a journey. Okay, hope that um, helped. Um, also, you know, we have a thing called the Church Planters Boot Camp at NUMA every year, and there's opportunities to participate in that as well um, online. And maybe something that might be helpful, potentially. Okay. Um, someone else? Next question, please. I'll just jump in here. Uh, great stuff, Rife. And uh, uh, just wanted to just... Uh, get some input. Um, I'm in America, of course. And so uh, it's very much goes along with the trends of the churches. And so, you know, we saw in the nineties, everyone wants to, the eighties, everyone wants to be a prophet and the nineties comes, everyone's calling themselves apostles. And so there's a lot of, uh, you know, confusion. There's been a lot of abuse of power and all of that. And so, you know, and fully embracing the biblical model. Um, but I would just want to ask what, what do you, what is your perception or, you know, as far as in the movement, of endorsing or acknowledging apostles. And, you know, a lot of people just call themselves an apostle, but they might not really be an apostle in terms of gifting authority. They're just uh, strong leaders that have strategy, but maybe they're really a teaching gift, but they're trying to be apostles because everyone's an apostle right now. And, and, um, but from the biblical point of view and, you know, even in the movement, um, do you, what is your perception on, is it, are apostles appointed? We know they're called by God, but is it have to be recognized with someone else or can someone just, they'll proclaim themselves an apostle and they have 25 people in their church um, or they were a teacher, but now they want to be an apostle slash teacher. And, uh, you know, in building this, we want to build it right. Um, do you, can you just speak into that? Sure. Um, and again, Pastor Glenn would love to invite you into that space. And the reason I'd really love to invite you into that space is because that the, I feel like part of the response to that, um, Derek, has a lot to do with the cultural context uh, that the church, the denomination that it's in, the land that it's in, and so forth. So, for example, um, in Australia, it is very, very, very uncommon for anybody to call themselves an apostle. 
and people really shy away from that. Um, I hear, I don't know, you live in America, so please correct me if I'm not right, but I hear that that it's um, a little bit more used in America and it's a little bit more kind of like self-designated and therefore can be a little bit abused and so it's a little bit unclear. So context can really vary in this space. Uh, I, I, I think our approach, our common approach, is never about a title. It's never about a title. At Numa, we don't walk around going apostle so-and-so and apostle so-and-so. It's not because it's not about that. What is really, really important, really important, is that we know the grace of God that is on our lives. And if we know the grace of God on our lives, the only reason that's actually really important is because then I'm going to partner with it in a whole new way. I'm not going to be confused. I'm going to know my calling was clarity. I'm going to know the giftings and the things that come with the office. So, for example, an apostle, one of the things... Pastor Glenn alluded to is, you know, we've, we've got boot camp. We have a life group that runs for a year. We have a coaching cohort that runs for another year. And one of the things that we begin to map out with those who are apostolically graced and going on that journey is, okay, if you are designated that office by the Lord, because it's the Lord who appoints, we only recognize, um, what then are the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are tools for that office to use. And it begins a whole new level of revelation and partnership and the outworking of the apostolic office to a whole other degree of manifestation for the glory of God, not for the title. And to be honest, that's part of the reason why I've <laughs> quite intentionally read that whole passage about apostles being scum of the earth and apostles being, you know, Etc. Uh, Etc. Et because the Lord's never going to say, "Well done, good and famous servant." That's not what it's about. It's not about a title. It, if if there is any office, it is literally to serve. the The fivefold is for the equipping of the saints. So the fivefold is useless if it's just a structure. It has no value whatsoever because that's not why the Holy Spirit is appointed. The Holy Spirit has made it very clear. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. For, now here's the purpose, the equipping of the saints. If the church, the church, if people are not walking on fire for Jesus, if people are not intimate with the Holy Spirit, filled, presence of the Holy Spirit fills every person, the power of the Holy Spirit fills every person so that the kingdom of God can invade the earth, the structure of the fivefold is not useful, including apostles. Um, so it's a real serving role. The most important thing is one, to identify what is the grace on my life. The second and co-equal to that is the people that I'm surrounded by um, because then I could really partner with the intent of God for their life as well. Um, so, yeah, they're probably my thoughts. What are your thoughts on that, Pastor Glenn? Yeah, completely concur. And it takes one to know one. And, you know, obviously apostles are typically good, have that 
grace to be able to identify and his apostles are involved in appointing um, in scripture, we see that. So that's very important. And, and obviously it happens, I'm sorry, the prophetic is also good at that, but it is all about that grace. And we talk about um, the attributes of an apostle. We're actually on a journey right now here at NUMA Global with how do we help really identify those the Lord has called and graced into the apostolic. And so we are looking from a scriptural perspective of what are the attributes of an apostle and how present are they in that person's life. For example, uh, as Pastor Raff mentioned right now, there might be the ick, the apostolic. We're not sure um, you know, where they're at. They're in the early stage of development into that um, office. Um, or maybe it's just more of a gifting at the stage. So helping to identify that and just come around and affirm and encourage. And then I think even being intentional and helping um, stand with them to go on that journey, you know, to, to really live out um, and express manifest that, that calling on their life. I think that's really important as well. So, yeah, that's just my thoughts. Um, Final question. And then, by the way, um, if you do have a, a final question, that's great. Um, but I want to let you know, we are developing a space. And when we send the email out, there'll be a space where you can ask questions. And it won't be just those who are you know, involved in leadership in NUMA and the global network or the global exec, et cetera. But even for you guys to respond to one another and, and we want it to be a learning community. So we will um, send you information on that. If you have additional questions, we certainly want to do all we can to help um, bring some type of uh, yeah response to that. That's helpful. So is there one more question? Uh, can you guys hear me? Yep. Right. Thank you so much, uh, pastors, both of you. Uh, it's such an honor to be on here. Uh, my name is Curtis, and I'm from Redding, California. So I had the awesome. honor and pl- privilege of coming under, in, you know, a, a great fivefold ministry and apostolic covering and understanding what it's like in the four walls, right? Uh, but I've been called, my team and I have been called to build, you know, a biblical decentralized church using technology, a global church uh, that's probably going to involve DMM models and home churches. And it's, we're trying to figure out like how do we bring an apostolic model into that into you know little home church pods and do we just look for x in people or yeah yeah it's uh it's a just different because we might not have the four four walls and hundreds of people to to be pulling from yeah um my response and certainly we want pastor raf to speak into this is he mentioned Titus one five, which talks about how Titus was sent there who, you know, obviously he was an apostle to appoint elders. And it talks about in every city. And so clearly there was a calling uh, to do that. I'm not sure, particularly as it relates to smaller locations, whether that's home church online. And by the way, I'm involved in that space as well. I'm happy to have a chat with you sometime offline that'd be amazing but um i think the big the most important thing is having that apostolic grace um 
involved and and speaking into that and in some level of oversight um you know it doesn't mean to say that in every single location you have to have a, a full-blown apostle great to have the apostolic grace absolutely but yeah so so i think we need to be flexible and as you develop and grow and people step into their calling and and they mature then you'll see more people i think that will be um you know identified as uh, apostolic and potentially even apostles. Pastor Ralph? Yeah, great. Hi, Curtis. Did you say Redding, California? Yes, you did. Um, I did. I was just chatting with your son on, on Messenger while you were on here. So, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, say hello to my son. Um, uh, what um, I was thinking, uh, you would know Pastor Richard Gordon, Um and uh, I, I remember having a very similar conversation with him. Uh, so when we went to plant San Francisco, one of the things that became apparent, obviously because of Silicon Valley and everything that's surrounding that, that the entire population of the world is, um, obviously we are rid at the information age, you know, agricultural age has gone, industrial age, we're at information age. The entire world has been discipled by the information that is coming out of Silicon Valley, San Francisco. And the church has, for the main part, unfortunately, uh, put that part of the world in the too hard basket, left the IT industry. But I was so glad to see and hear of what you guys are already kind of like doing in that space to redeem it and bring it under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And Pastor Richard was talking to me about... Um, that he's starting to work with a whole heap of people in that space to bring the kingdom of God. And I felt like he was such a resource in that area. I'd probably encourage you to have a really good um, collaborative conversation with him because the synergies that can come from that as uh, you both are stepping out into that world would be amazing, would be amazing. But thank you so much for doing what you do. Yeah, so good. Yeah, and um, you're really pioneering. You guys are being very apostolic in what you're doing, and wow, so needed. Yeah, it's uh, we're not uh, we've got to be innovative, and I think the apostolic makes room and and really empowers people to dream and be creative, rather than just fit into um, a specific model or approach. We don't want to put people in a box, but uh, we want to see empowered to to do this. If we're going to preach the gospel, the kingdom to all the nations. Um, we've got to do it um, creatively, that's for sure. All right. Well, thank you. Um, just some closing comments here and give you guys um, some kind of what's happening next. Well, first of all, on the 19th of January, 10 a.m. Melbourne time, we're going to do part two of this discussion. We're going to be looking at the apostolic as it relates to more advancing the kingdom of God, getting outside of the four walls of the church. And that's going to be our topic. And Pastor Raff will be back with us again. Um, if you would like to join the network, the NUMA Global Network, please head over to our website, which is NGN for NUMA Global Network dot NUMA dot church. And you can select the individual plan, sign up. We'll send you a code if you have another team member that would like to join for a 50% discount for the second, third, fourth and subsequent uh, person. We will be sending you an email for those of you who were on this Zoom meeting. We'll send that out with the video from today. 
And if you become a member or if you're already a member of the NUMA Global Network, you're going to receive an email with access to a private portal where there'll be additional content available to you. There will be an opportunity to interact, uh, ask some questions, somewhat of a, a community. And we are still in the process of um, really looking at the best way to, to develop community and, and so on and so forth. So, and that in, obviously in, includes technology. But um, thank you, Pastor Raff, for yeah your amazing input. Um, so profound, so good. And bless each and every one of you who's joined us from all over the world, literally. Um, so good to connect with you guys. Hope to see you on the 19th of Jan. And that will be for those who are members of the NUMA Global Network. This one was a kind of a freebie for those of you who... Uh, just wanted to take it for a test drive and see what you think about the session. And uh, that will be on the 19th of Jan, 10 a.m. Thanks, guys. Have a Merry Christmas and a blessed New Year. And uh, look forward to, to chatting with you again. And please feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions or concerns. Email address is ngn at numa.church, ngn at numa.church. And we'll do our best to... I'll get back to you promptly as well. God bless you guys. Thank you so much.